This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon. Welcome. Have you or someone you love been diagnosed with cancer this year? According to new numbers out this morning from the Canadian Cancer Society, about 202,000 new cases of cancer will be diagnosed this year, and close to 79,000 of those who are diagnosed will die. Lung cancer, as you heard in Bob's news, continues to be the leading cause of cancer deaths in Canada, both for men and women. In fact, a new report says that lung cancer leads to more deaths than breast, prostate, and colorectal cancer combined. More than 28,000 Canadians will be diagnosed with lung cancer this year, and nearly 21,000 will die from that disease. Among men, prostate cancer is the most commonly diagnosed form of the disease. More than 20% of new cases for women, it's breast cancer, and that accounts for 25% of new cancer cases. The good news for both those diseases is that survival has been going up over time and is quite high. Pancreatic cancer still has the lowest survival rate, just 8%, but there has been a small but statistically significant drop in mortality, and that is 0.6%. So when I say small, I'm not kidding. Now, of course, when we talk about cases of cancer, we're really talking about people and their families. We'd like to hear from you if your life has been touched by cancer. The numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll free 1-866-740-4740. And right now I'm on the line with Dr. Robert Nuttall, Assistant Director of Cancer Control Policy with the Canadian Cancer Society. Welcome, Dr. Nuttall. Thank you for having me, Libby. So uh, these numbers, you do these numbers every year. Uh, What do you see in these trends? Right. So, you know, as people have heard on the news and just from your introduction that, you know, this year over 200,000 Canadians are, you know, going to be diagnosed with with cancer. And, you know, that's a reflection of, you know, the number of people in the overall population. Um, as, As we know, our population... Um, continues to grow. It, it also continues to age, and you know, cancer in particular is, is a disease that, um, for a lot of different types of cancer, affects older people uh, more so. And as pe- as we get older, we see more and more breast cancers, so or more and more cancers. And um, you know, the, the trend we see is that year over year, we see more and more Canadians being diagnosed with, with cancer. But when we pour through the numbers and we look at you know, what does this look like in proportion to you know a standard population or 200,000 people, we start to see signs of, of progress. And you know, in terms of overall cancer incidence, we see um, progress in terms of the males who get uh, diagnosed with cancer. That overall incidence rate is going down over time. Um, for females, it's, it's fairly stable or, or slightly going up. But we're also seeing progress in terms of the 
the you know the rates of, of people who die from cancer and both in males and females we are seeing those rates going down over time let, let me ask you something there so why is the situation getting better for men and not for women I, a really big contributor to, to cancer uh, in Canada and around the world is this contribution of, of cigarette smoking um, and that's why we see so many cases of, of lung cancer um, really driving a lot of our cancer numbers. We've, we've seen you know, smoking rates decrease quite significantly, especially among men over the past several decades. Uh, but it takes you know, many decades to see this impact of, of changes in smoking on, on cancer. And as those overall lung cancer rates go down, especially in males, it, it, it leads to those changes in the overall numbers. And in let female, me ask you, so are, are women not... Uh quitting smoking as much or is it that that smoking can do more damage uh, over a longer period of time to women what's going on in women they for some we don't entirely know why but that's it, it really took a longer time for women to really get the message about um you know smoking or those you know the stop smoking messages and if you, when you look at historical patterns of smoking we started to see rates of smoking declining in men as early as the you know the 60s and 70s it didn't ha- start happening in women until the, the 1980s that uh, we started to see uh, year-over-year decreases. Um, so it's only just now that we're seeing you know, the rates of cancers uh, plateauing or, or no longer increasing, and we expect within the next few years to, see, to start seeing that impact uh, of overall incidents going down in women, too, as a result of particularly smoking. Okay. Uh, there's another thing that I want to bring up when it comes to lung cancer, and of course, not all cases of lung cancer are related to smoking, but there's a big stigma around it. And I guess it's because people, when they hear that someone has lung cancer, they think smoking, they think this person has brought it on themselves. Uh, how do you think that impacts uh, progress in lung cancer, uh, research into lung cancer? Is that, is that a factor, do you think? Um, it's you know, it's definitely a big factor in terms of people's perception, and because it's it's one of those cancers that has such a clear linkage with something that causes cancer, people, you know, look for that. Well, what what's the blame for this? And you know, the the most common uh, contributor is smoking, but there are many other things. Um, radon in people's home is another big contributor as well. Um, cases of you know asbestos or workplace a lot of people are exposed to breathing particles in their workplace and this can also cause cancers especially you know in non-smokers as well um it, it, it does become an area where you know there's that you know you know the blame but it's also a cancer that's got you know among one of the lowest survival rates only 17 percent of canadians survive a lung cancer diagnosis um and it, it is an area you know people are trying to find out better ways to, to you know, treat people earlier and treat people better. Uh, is, is that partly because it's usually not diagnosed until later? It's, it's a combination of, you know, for lung cancer, you know, we need to find it early enough to treat it. Um, a lot of the damage that smoking does to, to the cells really, you know, causes a lot of damage that is often hard to, to treat with, um, you know, some of the, you know, the typical therapies that we've used in the past, and it's really taking a lot of refining and better approaches and better strategies to to treat um, cancers that are that are very aggressive, like lung cancer can be. Uh, th- there's a one of the hottest 
things in uh, cancer treatment these days is immunotherapy. And I gather there is uh, some immunotherapy which works for some kinds of lung cancer. Do you expect that to make a difference? Yeah, immunotherapy is, is definitely a, an exciting area of research right now. And it's really about, you know, getting your body's immune system to, to see that, you know, that those damaged cells is, is something that's worth attacking. Our, our immune systems are, are quite effective at dealing with, you know, when we have, you know, infections or, or other substances attacking our body. And so can we get our immune system to target tumor cells? And, you know, we're definitely seeing a lot of progress in the areas of skin cancer research. We've had a lot of uh, promising you know, immunotherapies coming out in that area, yes. and lung cancer is another area where there's a lot of promise, and we're starting to see, you know, a lot of advanced trials very along in their development that uh, look like this you know, could also be very effective for lung cancer. I'm on the line with Dr. Robert Nuttall, and we're discussing uh, this year's new cancer statistics just out today. And of course, cancer is something that touches almost everyone. Uh, These numbers show that this year there will be uh, over 202,000 new cases of cancer. Nearly 79,000 people will die of cancer. It is the leading cause of death in this country. And uh, as I said before, when you talk about a cancer case, you're talking about a person and you're talking about their family. So uh, we would like to hear from you if cancer has touched your life, whether you have it or had it or someone in your family or a good friend. And and, um, how has it affected your life? Because in fact, the reason, one of the reasons that, that these statistics are put together is so that decision makers can figure out uh, what do we need in terms of services? What do we need in terms of improvements and research? And Dr. Nuttall, uh, let me just give the numbers out again. Uh, they are 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-744-740. As I said, we want to hear if cancer has touched your life and how it has done so. Uh, Dr. Nuttall, one of the things uh, that I found very interesting in this report is that there are more than 800,000 Canadians who uh, have survived cancer and that's a very good thing. However, sometimes people who survive cancer need ongoing services. Right. And, you know, our, our stats book is a very rich uh, source of information. Um, we put this out every year and, you know, you can get numbers about numbers of cases of different types of cancers that they're diagnosed uh, numbers of people who survive. And, and one of the sections that we provide is uh, highlighting how many Canadians have been diagnosed with, with cancer um, in a 10-year in a period. It's, it's a time span. It includes people who have been recently been diagnosed, but it also covers people who have um, survived cancer. But surviving cancer doesn't mean you're, you're out of the healthcare system or you, you don't have needs. Um, and so these, you know, for a lot of these people, they're, they're, they'll need follow-up care and, and follow-up monitoring. They, the, the treatment itself or the surgery can have lasting impacts that, you know, um, requires requires care as well. And, you know, we want, as you mentioned, like the healthcare system and planners to see the magnitude that cancer takes on, on Canada and, uh, you know, what we need to be focusing and where we need to put our resources and our priorities into to helping people 
will survive their diagnosis and then, you know, have a, have a high quality of life afterwards. Yeah, and it's not necessarily just uh, physical things, monitoring and, and taking care of it. it. It often, you know, leaves scars people emotionally. And uh, I know that there are a lot of places where they have uh, entire departments devoted to survivorship because uh, it's not necessarily a simple thing. No, and, you know, at the Canadian Cancer Society, too, we, we find that, you know, a lot of our peer support programs or those, those services where we have people who've had cancer in the past being available to talk to people and, and work in groups. And it's, it's, it's an area where a lot of people, you know, they, they gain a lot from just having those supports, those emotional supports and, and you know, psychological supports around them to just help them with, you know, with the cancer itself, but then those long-term outcomes and impacts of having that cancer. Okay, uh, let's take a couple of calls here. We've got Emma in Mississauga. Hello, Emma. Emma? Hello? Hello? Oh, okay. Uh, We'll go to Kathy and Markham. Hello, Kathy. Hello there. How are you? Fine. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. What's your story? My story is my husband is a 10-year colon cancer survivor, stage 3. But we well, have a friend now, he was diagnosed with stage four on the kidney, spread to the lungs, and he has tumor two. That's, My question is, they stop all the medication. He did treatments, chemo and radiation. They stop the medication, and they give him to take ma- marijuana, the med- medicine. Uh, yep. And I'm concerned. How good is it? How much it helps? And how good is it for the family to... To live in the house of that. Um, uh, well, stage four is it's that's very difficult. Um, I'm very sorry to hear that. That means the cancer has uh-huh. has spread. Yes. Um, marijuana is considered to be very good for controlling your symptoms. Okay. Increasing your appetite, so it makes it easier. I I actually um, uh, a good friend of mine uh, who has also some cancer that has spread and it's very difficult. And he told me he's not on any opioid painkillers, which cause problems of their own, but he is on marijuana oil and and that is controlling his pain. So I guess as everything, it depends on the individual. Uh, Dr. Nuthall, do you have anything to say? Well, you as you mentioned, you know, marijuana does have those those medicinal benefits, and, and for cancer patients, it is used for for that pain control and, and you know some of the, the symptoms or side effects of, of cancer itself, like the nausea or you know the lack, lack of appetite. Um, you know, it's 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 really about this, the sort of the treating some of those you know the effects of that late stage cancer and sort of some of the symptom control. Um, you know, and I. I think it's really up to each individual. Is that the right, con- you know, is, the, is that the right choice for them? There, there are a number of different, you know, medications out there um, for those various things, and it's really about p- people finding the right, you know, source of of, treat- of pain control and symptom control. That, that, uh, of course, uh, that's that's something that you should discuss with your doctor. But how safe is it when the person takes the the marijuana smokes and the smell, and with the people in in the house, especially children? Uh, well, I, you don't necessarily have to smoke it. I mean, it's very hard for us to answer. You, you know, we're um, 
I'm certainly not a doctor, yeah, okay. and yeah. uh, uh, you know, so uh, but but it's recognized as something that can be very very good for controlling the symptoms. It's not a cure, but it can be very good for controlling symptoms. And uh, you know, you want to uh, not have those narcotic painkillers as much as possible. Okay. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Have a good day. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Uh, let's go to Claudette in Cambridge. Hi, Claudette. Yes, hi. Um, my daughter um, had breast cancer surgery in, back in 2010, mm-hmm. uh, followed by uh, chemo and then radiation. Um, can you hear me on my, on my yes. speaker? Yes. Is that okay? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yes. Uh, well, the problem is uh, she had a lot of support. She had a very good surgeon and oncologist in Hamilton. And um, uh, the, the support during the treatments, fabulous, no problem. The problem is that she has now, uh, it's been determined she has damage from the radiation. In her chest, extreme pain, she's on opiates and uh, we have tried everything. Uh, she's had several MRIs, CAT scans. She's been to neurologists. I'm, I'm just thinking, I guess my question is, there doesn't seem to be, no matter what doctor we see, they don't seem to know what to do. And there doesn't seem to be uh, support for after the, the after effects of treatments. Even though she's cancer-free, it's like she's out of the picture now. But... Um, so that's my, that, uh, we're very frustrated. We've been to, uh, several doctors and I just, and I've called the Cancer Society to see if there's any kind of support. I know they have emotional support, but she's tired of talking about it anyway. So. Dr. Nuttall? Right. And, you know, I, I you know, should probably just preface everything. I, you know, I don't want to talk about specific medical, you know, on specific people, you know, well, exactly. Context is different. I'm just but, wondering if you, you can know. direct us. Um, I mean, I'm st- I'm trying, uh, thinking maybe <laughs> it's impossible. No, it is. I'm, I'm still grasping at straws here. Is there, a, like, a contact? Is there anywhere else we can go to find out how to treat this? Uh, it's anemia in the bone marrow, apparently, in the tissue. So, like, yeah, and, and, you know, it, it, again, that's, it, you know, in the cancer world, and that's a big thing, and we talked about this earlier, but when, when people get treated for the cancer, it's, it's you know, it, they're really aggressive treatments for, for you know, they are. tackling can, cancer, and a lot of the treatments or a lot of the surgeries can have those other uh, very serious, for some people, side effects. And Yeah, she hasn't been able to get back to work, to her life. She's taking care of her family, and but very and, limited and, and, uh, you know, lifestyle. The mix of you know working with your 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 healthcare community and your providers and some of those other, with the the doctors themselves and the support workers. But again, reaching out to you know other groups. You know, we, we do have you know cancer information. I just wonder why there's nothing set up for people who are affected by the treatment. Well, you know what? I'm not sure that's that's true. I don't know if they have something where you if are. There is, I would love to know. Well, um, you know, maybe she could see a, a pain specialist. And uh, palliative care doctors manage symptoms. So, And that's a symptom. 
people are scared of that word, but th- that could be an avenue to look into. I've okay. seen palliative care doctors. I'm still here. Um, okay. Uh, so those and, are yeah, and palliative care is, is something that's not just for you know late stage cancers. It's it has a lot of benefits for people at any stage of, of the cancer journey. Yeah, and and uh, the other thing I I would also suggest is um, there might be some kind of exercise that could make that a little better. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that the, there are wellness uh, th- wellness support groups, um, certain kinds of exercises. So people mm-hmm. who who do that, that's what I would suggest that you try. Um, yeah. But but there are things out there. I certainly understand uh, your frustration, and and <laughs> it's very difficult. Um, yeah. Claudette, thank you very much for your call. Yeah. Well, thank you. It's just a matter of finding where. Yeah. You know, Good luck with. With that, thank you very much. Bye-bye. We are going to have to uh, take a quick break. When we come back, we will have more with Dr. Robert Nuttall, and we'll be taking more of your calls. So hang in. Back after this. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Zneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. We are talking about the latest cancer statistics with Dr. Robert Nuttall. Uh, I'm going to give the numbers out again. 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And uh, I think this time we've got Emma in Mississauga. Hello, Emma. Hello, hi. How are you doing? I'm okay, thank you very much. And I really appreciate for your program. I learned so many things from you guys. Thank you very much. Thank you. And I'm calling to, regarding my brother, recently he has been diagnosed just three weeks ago with um, pancreatic cancer, fourth stage. Oh, I'm and, sorry to hear that. And um, he was told that he cannot be operated, no surgery, only the chemotherapy. Please, could you tell me if he's going to have any benefit from chemotherapy and why he cannot be, he cannot have surgery. Uh, Once the cancer has spread, um, they can't do the surgery because it's not all in one place and they can't get it. Um, It also, it depends on where it is, but that's generally, stage four means it's spread and generally uh, there's no surgery for that. Um, if they recommended the chemotherapy for him, it's because they think it will help. So chemotherapy uh, can extend your life. Uh, it depends. It works differently in every person, but they have uh, some new treatments that are that are pretty good. Yeah, Doctor Nuthall. Yeah, yeah, you know, cancer is it is. A lot of the time after the diagnosis is very much that individual level of sort of how does the cancer look in that person and how much has it spread. Chemotherapy, it, it does, you know, treat the entire body. Um, if there, there are cells that have spread out, out there, you're hoping that your chemotherapy will um, hit those cells that have, have metastasized or have spread out of the, the pancreas as well. Um, and that tends to to be why, you know, chemotherapies would be the preferred choice over a, a surgery, which would really just uh, target the more of the, the local area where the cancer first started. Okay, and please, doctor, could you tell me about that oil, marijuana oil? 
he still doesn't have any pain. He's eating regularly. Only recently he lost the taste. So shall we give him marijuana or not? And uh, what is that? I don't know where even where we can buy it. Well, um, you know, we, and we talked from an earlier caller about you know the you know marijuana and, and the, the benefits that it does have for people with cancer. That they, the ability for it to treat pain. Um, mm-hmm. You can you can there are various ways for for getting access to, to medical marijuana. Some of them are you, know, you can go through through a doctor. Uh, there's a Health Canada has a whole sort of system in place for helping people find uh, where to get. Uh, medical grade uh, marijuana as well and I think it really just starts with uh, sort of those conversations about how you want to get it. Just ask your oncologist. Yes. Okay. Yep. Okay, thank you very much. Thank Thank you very much and again we wish you all the best and for your brother and and, uh, know that it's difficult but thank you for your call. Very difficult. Thank you very much. Okay. Okay, we'll try to uh, uh, take uh, a few more calls before we switch gear here. We have uh, Bob in Port Colburn. Hello? Yeah, you can can hear me? Uh, Yeah, but if your radio's on, please turn it off. No, my radio's not on. Okay, we can hear you fine. Okay. Just just a quick question, and I heard the doctor say earlier that doctors are human beings. You know, we're all different, of course. Uh, a friend of mine just was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. Sorry to hear and, that. Yeah, you know, he first he got all jaundiced and everything else. I guess the bile duct were plugged up. But anyway, he, uh, he ended up going to the hospital, and they told him to put his affairs together. He had just a few months to live. And without any other diagnosis. Now, that alone just about killed him. What's, like, I just wonder, what are you supposed to do in a case like that? Um, well, you know, well, let me go a little further. As it worked out, he panicked, so he ended up going to uh, uh, Dravinsky in Hamilton. And uh, at Dravinsky, they told him they don't know why that happened, but anyway, long story short, he had the Whipple procedure. That's good news. Couple, they took out a couple tumors, and his his uh, not his liver, but his uh, gallbladder and a few other parts, and they, they took biopsies, and so far everything looks pretty good, and he's going for some just follow-up uh, therapy and, and uh, radiation. Okay, but you know what? My, yeah. Uh, that sometimes, <laughs> I can tell you, I was diagnosed in an emergency uh, room too, and the young, very young doctor in charge there like had no idea and told me something similar to that. So they, uh, they, they a lot of these doctors, especially if, if they told him in an emergency ward, they have a lot to learn about this. So good for him that he went to Jervinsky, and even better for him that he was able to get surgery. That's great news. Well, the point is, uh, Libby, is well, the point I'm making is, is I don't know why they do that, but uh, the point I'm making is if, if you're ever in that position, anyone's ever in that position, get another opinion because it's worth, worth, it's worth your life. <laughs> you bet. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thanks. Uh, and uh, we just have time for uh, one more. We've got Joan in Orangeville. Hello, Joan. Oh, hi there, Libby. It's so nice to talk to you. I no. listen to you all the time. Thank you. Go ahead. Okay. I uh, just want to tell you, I think my family, including myself, are uh, longtime survivors. We started with breast cancer. My sister started the ball rolling at age 32. Wow. 
and breast cancer. She uh, second second breast cancer at 36. She had a mastectomy. My daughter came in after that, breast cancer at 23. Oh, my everybody goodness. Was, yes, everybody was in awe of that. They couldn't believe it at the hospital. So she had one breast removed, then she had the other breast removed for the sake of not coming into the other one. So she was 23. She is now 52. Um, that's good news. That's yes. very good news. And um, my, um, oh, my God, I'm losing my train of thought here. Um, I had breast cancer. I had the, the, I say the least of anybody. I had a lumpectomy when I was 51. Um, I am now 70. Um, I also, though, just had uh, uterine cancer two, three years ago. That was very, very bad. I almost lost my life there, but thank God I'm here to talk to you. Um, my uh, sister also has had, um, um, oh, oh, my God, I can't think of the name. And my niece just had a cervical cancer surgery just last week. Um, what I'm trying to say is it's, it's been in our family. Oh, we carried the BRCA1 gene. And by the way, dear, I watched your show the other night. Very mm. good. Thank you. I don't like to miss anything on cancer, cancer situations. Um, we're all doing pretty good. Um, my daughter, though, went through a terrible time while at age 23. Every time she got a pain, even yeah. as she turned 52, she thinks, oh, my God, am I getting cancer again? So that she was the worst one there with the, the worry and, and thinking of cancer constantly. Yeah, that's, um, that's tough. That's tough. Uh, yeah. We're getting, oh, and my, my youngest sister got an unknown, or a, kind of an unknown cancer. She got vulva cancer about two or three years ago. We are, <laughs> us girls are really going through through the, the cancer uh, situation. So, sorry to hear that, but it sounds like you're real survivors. And, um, yeah. Yes. And yes, that's, that's very, the good very, news. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And, um. Yes, we just we just pray a lot and we hope for the best. And uh, I don't know why we've all survived and lasted. I mean, when they say I've, I'm a cancer survivor at two or five years, I think, oh wow, we're like in thirty some years survivor. Well, let's hear it for uh, uh, thirty and fifty years more, Joan. Thank you so much for your call. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, Libby. Bye bye. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.